Welcome to episode number 17 of the Technician Academy podcast hosted by ASE Master Technician Richard Young. Extend Performance powers this episode. Today, Richard sits down with Larry Rentschler and Sean Collins. Larry is the Fixed Operations Manager for Romaine Crosspoint. Sean is the founder and CEO of Extend Performance and Technician Academy. Together, they discussed the value of a trained professional technician and the challenges companies are having locating these quality individuals. Rentschler and Collins also voiced their opinions on what could be causing this shortage and how it could be potentially solved. As a manager, Rentschler also explains what he looks for in new employees and how his organization is working to retain new technicians after their first year. We hope that you enjoy episode number 17 of the Technician Academy podcast, powered by Extend Performance. Welcome to today's Technician Academy podcast. We're fortunate enough today to have two individuals in our studio today. One, Larry Rentschler from Romaine Crosspoint. He's the Fixed Operations Director. Welcome, Larry. Thank you for having me, Richard. And then we've got Sean Collins, founder of Extend Performance. Welcome. Hello, Richard. Thanks for having me. So, Larry, uh, give us a little bit of background on yourself and, and what Fixed Operations Director really is. Well, in a nutshell, Richard, Fixed Operations Director of a dealership is uh, basically that I'm responsible for anything non-sales related or accounting related. So all of service, all of parts, uh, anything detail-wise, kind of manage all of those operations. So you know, on any given day, like I said, there's no uh, no two days the same. and. Uh, when you're dealing with what we deal with, there's a, there's a, a whole lot to do. Yeah, and, and how many, exactly how many dealerships are we, are we dealing with? Different brands? Well, different brands. We have uh, actually four different lines that we've got, of course, plus a major uh, used car operation. Uh, most of the dealerships nowadays really uh, lean on used car operation for a lot of the revenue, and uh, that's something that we uh, uh, do about 150 units a month just in used alone, pre-owned. It's quite a few. So give us a little bit of history about your background in, in the industry. Well, you know, I kind of started through the ranks as a technician. Um, came up actually through a technical program, a high school vocational program. I uh, did a two-year there and uh, was fortunate enough uh, to uh, land a job right out of high school at a dealership. And uh, started off as an apprentice Honda technician. I uh, did that for about a year and uh, progressed along. And then I got the uh, opportunity to run and uh, work on Porsche, Volkswagen, Audi, which as a 19-year-old kid, you're thinking Porsche. I couldn't even say Porsche back then, but I sure did want to work on them. So I uh, went up through there and um, did that for several years. Then I uh, thought, well, you know, I think I really like this uh, field. And I want to get on the management side. So I jumped in and uh, started writing service. And, and basically what that means is, you know, customer brings the vehicle in. You take care of their, you know, their service needs and make sure that those are translated back to the, the technician so we can get the car fixed correctly. And then it went on to become a uh, service manager of the dealership. And I was able to accomplish all that by the age of 23. So progressed along pretty well um, and uh, definitely been my passion all my life. I mean, obviously cars, uh, as a kid, you know, you, uh, you want to see how things work. And I started with bicycles, obviously, and uh, taking bicycles apart and uh, never had enough money to go uh, buy anything. So if something broke, I had to fix it. And uh, after bicycles, you progress to lawnmowers, and then you go to mini bikes, and you know that's kind of how I came up, just working on mechanical things, and uh, it's kind of always had a passion for cars, uh, cars, motors, like anything motorized has always been a passion. So yeah. I think most young guys that are in this field uh, uh, have a passion for anything automotive or anything auto 
anything automated, I guess I should say. Yeah, mechanical pieces. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Sean, give us a quick background on yourself. I am the founder of Extend Performance, and um, my early childhood uh, is basically one that I grew up a block and a half down the street from a, a drag strip, and everybody on our block had a uh, project car that was going to be either at the drag strip or the circle track that was down the street. Uh, at the time, we uh, had a small repair shop, a body repair shop, so uh, worked in and dabbled in that after school um, and during the summers. So had the, the opportunity to play with monster trucks and build, you know, help uh, watch one go from the ground up. And then um, really it's just a, it's been a passion of mine all along racing and with extend performance we today help brands develop content specifically for those installers who need it so uh, one of those obvious uh, programs is technician academy and and have been happy to see it off the ground so it's uh my my career is not one that I, I went through a technical school and, and actually turned the wrenches. I've always had a, uh, a passion for the industry, the racing, the automotive side of it. But I was recruited early on into the IT side. So helping individuals learn how to use the internet and, and do some things there. So I'm a technician of another uh, breed, if you will, but of another trade. but have always been passionate around the automotive automotive field. So um, helping those technicians get to the content they need quicker and trying to, today I see it and we want to, as Extend Performance, uh, grow the interest again for the automotive industry because we know that they are, as you've said in the past, Richard, $80,000 rolling computers and there is an individual that's inside that classroom that needs to know about the careers that are available. And Technician Academy is, is obviously one that uh, is out there pushing that. And, and we hope to be, hope to have an impact with that. Yeah, and, and that's one of the goals. And, and that was one of the things, I mean, fortunate enough, Sean, you introduced me to Larry a few months back, and, and it was easy to see quickly that uh, Larry has a passion for this industry and, and for the for the technician. So, Larry, we'll, we'll kind of get right into this. What do you see the value of today's trained technician? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to measure, you know, Richard, because of uh, all that goes into it. Um, obviously, the goal is to fix the car efficiently and fix it right the first time. You said it with technology changing. I mean, literally every day, uh, I have to have guys that stay on top of this. And uh, in the old days, uh, years ago, that if a, a young man couldn't do anything else, he worked on cars because you could fix a car literally in you know minutes. You could find out what's wrong with it. And uh, today's uh, technician has to be well versed in, in, in more than just the basics of uh, spark fuel compression and, and air. They've got to know so much more and. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, as we as we go along, it's not just it's it's all manufacturers. It's not just one. It's uh, it's so many. And um, you know, there's this. Uh, if you, and this is hard to fathom, but we literally get uh, no less than probably three to four news bulletins a day from General Motors, which is one of the franchises that I manage, and uh, just with different changes. And uh, these guys have make sure that they've got to stay on top of those, read those daily. So when a car does come in with that particular problem, they can get to it, address it, 
uh, fix it quickly, and get the customer back on the road. Uh, a lot of the manufacturers are really geared toward customer satisfaction. And, um, you know, the one reason that we uh, train our guys so much is, you know, we, make, we have to make sure that customer's coming in, and, and obviously we want them to come back and do business with us, but we want them to buy another car from us, and, and we've got to make sure these guys are top-notch. And, um, you know, like I said, this field's a tough one. Uh, it's been very good to me, no doubt about it, but uh, uh, going forward, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit down the road, but we have got to get these guys trained uh, to a level that, uh, that we have not seen before. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, the the technician of today, and Sean, you mentioned it, and I've said it several times, is they're working on a computer that is on four wheels. And, you know, back when we started there, we knew that we were going to do a valve job at 30,000 miles. And we were going to, a tune-up consisted of a tune-up. You know, we adjusted points and adjusted the carburetor. may have to rebuild the carburetor, but that has made a complete shift uh, in, in the day of a technician. So, yeah, I mean, these technicians... The, the value they bring to the industry is immeasurable. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been hearing this technician shortage. Oh, we've had a technician shortage. I've been hearing it for the last five to eight years. You know, Richard, it's, it's, it's slowly getting worse. But, yeah, you're right. The last five to ten years, there's been a shortage. But now more than ever. And uh, I can just guarantee you this. I, I stay in good contact with all of the local dealerships in town. And, and uh, you know, I call the, most of the service managers at these stores personal friends. And I can tell you this, that every one of those dealerships has a shortage of two to three technicians right now currently. And uh, that's, that, that, if you take that and magnify that by how many shops there are in town, that's a whole lot of people just here. So nationwide, yeah, your number's not too far off on your shortage, no doubt about that. And, and let's define that a little bit. You know, we say there's a shortage of technicians, but is there a shortage of, and it's been grouped together as technicians are the guys who turn the wrench and fix the car, but... I want to divide that down a little bit. Is there a shortage of trained technicians or is there a shortage of guys to turn a wrench? You know, I think it's probably a little bit of both, okay? And and I tell you what, it, it seems like um, the old stereotype of a mechanic has changed to a technician, no doubt about that. And I, I think exposure is probably our biggest thing. Uh, we're not getting uh, today's youth exposed to this field at an early enough stage. And uh, I know that when I started going through this uh, years ago, I was... I was uh, told by my uh, counselors at school, hey, we, we need you to go ahead of the, the uh, college-bound path. I mean, I liked voca- I loved cars. I wanted to go out to go to vocational school for half a day my junior and senior year. But, uh, you know, I, I felt, because that was my passion. And, and I think that we're, we're, we're losing that early on. I, I think that the, today's youth really needs to be touched at an earlier age uh, and be introduced to the field. Uh, it's, a, it's a great field. It's a lucrative field. Um, those guys that uh, really put forth the effort and, and do the training, uh, can have a very, very good, uh, good career, very lucrative career, like I said. But uh, uh, there's, uh, there is just a, I think a major thing of just, is just exposure to the field. So, so with the exposure, you know, in the field, Larry, like what do you, when you say the, tra- you know, the value of the trained technician and, and that shortage, what are you looking for from the technicians that come in, you know, directly out of school. And are you, are you seeing that they're educating themselves outside the classroom? Are they using technology? Or you know, they... Sean, there's a group that are. They're educating themselves outside the classroom. But there's so many that don't. And this is a field that's, I'll be honest with you, it's not for everybody. It is not for everybody. Um, there was a, uh, like I said, I just kind of mentioned how much these guys actually have to read and continue to educate. But, uh, you know, my guys, a lot of my guys will do, you know, less, no less than 200 hours worth of training a year. 
And that's just above and beyond all the stuff we do in-house. And that's just to keep abreast with the new product, new technology, and, and everything that's coming on these cars that's advanced. Uh, you know, we just, I'll give you a little scenario we just had just a while ago, and uh, one of my guys found it, but uh, a lot of our today's cars have lane departure, park assist, things like that. We had an issue with uh, our front camera that uh, just could not figure it out. I'm just kind of beating ourselves against the wall trying to fix this thing and we've got our laptop hooked up we've got everything going on this thing and come to find out you know now this is kind of crazy but uh this guy was trained enough to look for this it had the wrong camera from the factory it had one for a different model and you know if that guy wouldn't have went through all this training that he might have spent days on this thing before he could have figured it out and when he came to me i'm like wow good you know good job i mean that's something that uh was was well worth my time sending you training to pick something like that up yeah. so we got a we got a car back on the road and a happy customer. And that's that's one point I, w- I want to point out is we as technicians, and I still consider myself a technician. But there's so much changes, like like the camera. I mean, it was a camera in a position, but to understand that it was the wrong camera in that position. How, how many people could have found that? Very few. Very few. Yeah, and, and that's what sets apart the elite technicians. And you know, there's a lot of people that come to the field, Richard. And I've seen so many kind of come and go, but. Uh, you know, back to Sean's question, what, what am I looking for? You know, I tell you, I have to have that young man, young lady, uh, that has the passion to do this job. And uh, if you've got that and the willingness to learn and the ability to learn, you know, that's, those are key. But uh, I, I use this so cliche, and I, uh, some people laugh at it, but uh, I try to hire the person first and skill set second. And what I mean by that is uh, give me the right person with the, the right kind of passion and, and willingness to learn, and, and we'll take them from there. But um, like I said, this, this field is, is one that's ongoing. And, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, and I've been in this, this is my 34th year, I've watched it progress. And uh, to your point, back to points and condenser, I bet a lot of these today's technicians don't have a clue what that even is, or even a carburetor for that matter. Right. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, just, just the last 20 years, what, what's happened to our, to our industry and, and, and the need. And, uh, and, I, and I feel like that we're losing a lot of our good people, a lot of skilled people to other trades that would be uh, a definite benefit to us as, a, as an industry. Do you see a, a lot of your technicians bringing different training solutions to the table, or is it something that's being no, provided? I mean, every, everything shown on our level, at the dealership level, is something that's manufactured, you know, sponsored. Yeah. So um, that's mostly it. We try to, like I said, we, we any time thing I get, you know, secondary or anything like that, I'll try to share with them. But for the most part, what they're doing primarily is all the manufacturers' training. Yeah. Uh, now. That does, that's not all technicians. Obviously, you've got the elite group I talked about. I've got one guy uh, in particular that's a, a GM world-class tech, and he is constantly going outside the box and looking for other avenues to get training. Uh, he's that guy that's not satisfied with just what he's getting from the manufacturer. He's trying to go go further, and and, uh, and, and he's been very successful doing that. So, but, And obviously, uh, he's the, not the norm. He's not the norm, Richard. Yeah. No, no. and uh, he's, uh, he's definitely my... Uh, elite technician no doubt about it. and I've got some good ones there's some some good folks there but uh, he by far is heads and shoulders above the rest so well, it, go ahead yeah so if there you know we did talk about there is in your opinion and, and you see it daily the shortage of the technician 
you know, what's what's driving that? I mean, you, you talked a little bit about... You know, Sean, what I, what I think is really happening, number one, I said that I, I think we're losing a lot of our youth early on to come in this, but uh, some of the things that are driving them away is, I said a while ago, this profession is not for everybody. Right. And if you don't have the, uh, you know, the passion and willingness to go and learn, this business will pass you by. And I've had several guys that have worked for me over the years, as you can just watch technology pass them by, and they're that person that keeps kind of just getting farther and farther behind. And it doesn't make them a bad person, it just makes them, you know, not, not a good fit. So, um, uh, you know, and, and like I said, there's, there's a big commitment to be a technician in yes. this field, no doubt about that. And, um, you know, you, you see a lot of these other uh, uh, avenues that they're taking, a lot of them are going into manufacturing and things like that. We have a big manufacturing plant here locally, obviously, that we lost a lot of good skilled techs to. Uh, but uh, the other thing I think, and, and I'm going to, you know, go out here on a limb a little bit, Richard, I think you agree with me, but uh, technician pay and how they're paid. I mean, we've always had this same way of paying technicians on flat rate, and basically what that means is they're getting paid by the job, and that's been around for all the 34 years that I've been in this business, and way before that but uh, we've kept the same pay style but we've, we've changed technology so much mm-hmm. uh, I see in the next five to ten years that that's going to change and I, I you know and I, like I said a lot of guys would shoot me for saying this but I kind of see that you're going to start paying technicians on more of a salary maybe plus a bonus base just on what they produce because of some of these complex problems uh, there may be a problem that a guy maybe spends 10 12 hours on that you know how do you really really justify charging you know, the customer 10 or 12 hours or something like that. Or on the other hand, I mean, if the manufacturer is paying the bill, it's still hard to even get that paid at that level because of the time. But, uh, you know, those guys have got to stick with that job and get it fixed. Because if they don't, the car's no good. So I really see the pay structure changing. Uh, I said that about, uh, uh, I said that several years ago and I just had one of my uh, friends of mine that's hired, brought a guy in from uh, Chicago. And he said they're already kind of starting to do that in that area up there, paying these guys more of a salary. You're skilled, high-level guys a salary, and a pretty handsome salary, too. Uh, these guys are worth their weight in gold, no doubt about it. Uh, when you look at one, what a good skilled technician can produce you for the year, money-wise, and uh, what they do for the store or the business itself, it's, uh, it's a substantial amount of money. Do you think one of the roadblocks still is is the perception of what the industry is and the four-year degree and it is sean and you know it uh there's no doubt about that and and i fought that for years and uh once again goes back to mechanic you know grease monkey i hate to use that term but you know that's what a lot of the folks uh call these guys and i think maybe back in the day at mayberry they were grease monkeys back then but uh these guys are not right Uh, very highly skilled very talented very uh very intelligent people that are working on these vehicles. So uh, I think that maybe deters a lot of our youth because they think, oh, you're going to work on cars? Oh, my gosh, you're going to be a mechanic? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been a mechanic for a lot of years, and it's been a, right. been a good career path for me. Well, and I don't think the industry's been very good at presenting that difference. I mean, we've, we've done a horrible job at presenting what an actual technician is and making that separation. I, I never forget, I had an instructor years ago at college. He said there'll be a day when... You as technicians will work on a car in a lab coat with rubber gloves on and a mask. And he's not far from that right now. Yeah. Uh, he's, so we've not been very good at promoting ourselves as an industry, in my opinion. So, I mean, you, you talked about some of the things that, that well, Richard, it's interesting. Me, Go ahead. Let me interrupt a second, though. But, but I do think, and, and it's like I keep going back to this, you know, this, this career isn't for everybody. Uh, and I don't think we're getting the talent to come into this field early on. 
And that's where you lose it. Because if a young man, young lady gets on a career path at an early age of 14, 15, 16 years old, and they go that way, they might have made one of the best technicians in the world, mm -hmm. but you'll never know. So um, I have really been talking about advocating for years of, of trying to get this introduced when these kids are younger and, get them and just get them interested in it. Like I said, uh, I, I had the privilege of teaching auto mechanics for about four years, uh, or actually five years, did a little stint, and uh, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, uh, had a lot of kids very, very successful, and then some, honestly, they just uh, fell by the wayside. But, um, you know, uh, you can just see that, you know, some of those young people that you can touch, these were all kids that were 16 to 24 years old. It was a wide variety that I had. And, uh, but you could just see the, the, the difference in a class of 10 kids. You may have one or two of those kids in there that really could possibly do this job at a high level. Uh, that's sad to say, but it uh, goes back to our shortage we talk about. You know, um, this, is a, this, is, this is a career. It's a field um, that's... Uh, uh, probably, you know, if you think about all, think about how cars have changed more than any other industry. Think about this now. Building trades, what's changed there? There's been a lot to change, but the car that goes from basically almost being able to drive itself, okay? I mean, that's almost incredible, but a lot of our cars can almost do that. The technology's there. And, uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it scares a lot of kids, you know, sometimes thinking about the uh, getting into the field. You mentioned the age group, 14, 15 years old. Do you think it's important for us as an industry to maybe go to those high schools and talk to those counselors that are helping guide those students? Richard, I think that's the first step. Get, getting with the counselors and, and, and once again, educating them. Yeah. How many counselors truly know much about our field? How many counselors truly know what a good high-level technician can earn you know, throughout their career? Uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm an advocate of college. I went to college. My kids went to college. I mean, my whole family did. And, and I think it's important. But I think, uh, I think also with that being said is, you know, you have to have a marketable trade along with that. And uh, this is a marketable trade. This is a trade. And I always tell kids this. Once you get this trade under your belt, this is something you can make a living with and provide for your family for the rest of your life. This is something that nobody can take away from you. And is the ability to make income for yourself by doing something like this. Yeah. And, and I... The reason why I ask that question because that is that is a passion of mine. I think we need to really start focusing on these kids at an earlier age. Uh, you know, we we look at automotive programs within the college, community college level, but we really need to back that up a couple years. Yeah, you you have to get. I, I I said you know I used to always well let's get make sure you get them by their sophomore year of high school, but you don't need more guys. I'm just wondering if you don't hit them earlier than that. Maybe even eighth grade. You know, believe it or not. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad thing to do just to get them. Get them introduced to it. Yeah, and it should be where the industry is looking at potentially using, if you will, disruptive means to excite them about the industry again. Um, all the, the youth that you're talking about, they're Instagram users, they're YouTube users, and, you know, Facebook and Snapchat in ways in which, you know, brands, brands can interact with them, show them what their future would look like within it, um, get, get as much information in front of them visually, because they're visually connected today. Absolutely, they are. Yes. The, the stories, you know, of what I would hear as, as a child growing up versus what they see today and how the industry could potentially um, catch that get that one spark of i watched this video that made me all of a sudden oh uh, now you know dodge what is that or you know 
Cadillac, what is that? Or, you know, they have this vehicle that has this technology in it. Wow. And then get them going along that path. Um, there are some opportunities I see there that uh, the industry could be a little, you know, could be disruptive, if you will, yeah. to kind of break into that channel to say, you know, we need we need the help. Yeah. We need your passion. We need your passion for this thing that you're on. But consider moving it, moving in this direction instead of a um, programming degree or right. you know an engineering option. Look at it this way. Right. You know, you said something, Sean. You, you came up to the IT side of the business. Well, you know, back in my day, I mean. We didn't even have computers in, in high school. We really didn't. And didn't really introduce them to you know sometime in college later on. But uh, you know th- that's one good thing about today's kids is you know they are introduced to you know laptops and PCs and whatnot at an early stage. So that's a lot of what we use to diagnose cars. So you know I have some of these kids come in. They're a whole lot better with a laptop, being able to go in and understand technology of how things work than my era of people. So you know that that's a good thing coming up right. because they are more tech savvy, I should say. But just applying those. Just know, applying that. And that's, it, that's the key. And, and letting them know that they'll be working on things like, yeah. you know, telematics. They have the opportunity to work maybe in telematics one day mm-hmm. or uh, work on the systems that guide that vehicle, you know, ADOS yeah. and, you know, all the pieces that are inside of it. The You know, the discussion of the Ford F-150 and the number of lines of code that's in that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Sean, you brought up a great point, and uh, this is something I always tell people too. I mean, you take me for example. Started working on cars at an early age, uh, then decided to go another route on kind of on the management side of the business. But the automotive industry opens up so many doors for you. I mean, and I think people don't understand that. But uh, you know, we have. I mean, if you think, I don't know how many hundreds of jobs are all automotive related in, in one aspect or another. From you know, you can you can even come up through this. And I see a lot of technicians come up through. And actually work for the manufacturers, become reps for the manufacturers. So, and you know, with all of the uh, uh, different aftermarket companies out there too, I mean, there's just a, a yeah. wide variety of things you can do. And I think that's one thing that the industry needs to really promote is because a lot of these students, as they're going through community college, and okay, you've got an automotive program, but they don't really realize all the other opportunities that come with that. No. Uh, you know, we don't talk about the management side. We don't, they're really the, in those automotive programs, because they've only got them a couple of years, they focus on the mechanical side of it, where, you know, there's a whole nother field of parts and management and, and that that isn't promoted to them. Well, Richard, the, you know, the one thing that, and I didn't even kind of plan on talking about this, but uh, when I mentioned service advisor, kind of what I had done, that is also positioned within a dealership within an aftermarket that there's a huge shortage for. And basically these are people that have a little bit of technical background, but also uh, have the ability to work with customers and solve their problems and help uh, kind of uh, make sure the technicians get the right information to fix the car properly. So there's a huge shortage you know, nationwide for good skilled people on that. Uh, piece also along with parts departments yeah. you know we're always looking for good parts people so once again I, I think we could go on and talk about all the different avenues yeah. and things that are available in the automotive field that that they just don't know about and unfortunately it's usually by dumb luck we get one uh, we, we bring one in we, we have them go back and start washing cars for us and we think hey this guy can really he's got some ability we bring him up maybe have him start working on cars and bring him up from there I've got a young man that this celebrated 23 years with me yesterday uh, didn't have really a whole lot of mechanical, other than self-taught, 
but came out and started washing cars for us. Um, and then he, uh, as a technician, so he's been a technician now for the last uh, 18 years, 19 years, I'm sorry. He, washed, he did the detail for about four years for us. And, uh, and I, I kind of forgot yesterday was his 23rd year anniversary, and he came up to me, hey, you know, Larry, by the way, today's 23 years for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. 1994, you know, and I knew that, but yet that's a young man that uh, just had the passion for it. And he's a good technician. He's a good technician. So, you, but like I said, by dumb luck sometimes, you, some people fall into this uh, trade and uh, do very, very well with it. Well, and, and I know uh, I had the opportunity to watch you talk to a group of high school students, and, and you kind of highlighted it then, but I want to be sure that, that our listeners know this. What, what traits do you look for? In a new employee. You know, Richard, I tell you what, well, I, I said it a while ago, you know, person first, skill set second. And uh, it's like anything, you know, I, I've had some of the, what I feel like were super technicians, but just weren't uh, what I would call solid citizens and, and did the things I wanted them to do. And, um, uh, you know, I know that may sound corny, but I pass on a lot of people out there with a lot of skill levels because I'm looking for that person that I can mold and train uh, that has the passion and the ability to learn and ability to do the job. Uh, that's the one I want to focus on. And uh, if uh, a person comes in and I've had them before that, oh, they know everything there is to know about working on cars, they're probably not going to make it with me. You know, they're just not. But, uh, I, I, you know, over the years I've, I've hired and terminated a lot of different people, and I hate to say that, but uh, I've never fired anybody at all. They've always fired themselves. Right. And mostly it's not because of coming through a program and the technical knowledge, but it's the other things. And uh, I kind of preach to these kids. I love to get in front of high school kids because, to your point, they hear all about, uh, you know, what we're doing as far as how to fix cars. And they're, they're trying to train these guys, but they're not really, unfortunately, teaching them a lot about life skills. And uh, I, that's something I'm really, really passionate about uh, is, is making sure these, these, these kids, when they come in, that they know the little things to help, to help them maintain the job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, just from the attendance and things like that, cell phone uses in the shop. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about that's just very important. I mean, so uh, I think that's something you got to start. And I wish they'd start more of that in schools because, I, I you know, I, I think that kids nowadays aren't getting enough of that at home. And enough of those soft skills being taught to them at an early age to when they do get out there and they're on their own, they can actually go in and... and uh, not that they can't do the job, but they can't do the other pieces to it. Right. And, and those other pieces are extremely important, especially as you look through, you know, if you start out as a technician, yeah, you're, you're working in the bay, you're looking at a repair order and you're, you're assessing the vehicle. But then if you want to move up through the dealership, you have to have those soft skills. Sure. You know, that, that's that's something we always look at. Matter of fact, I just promoted somebody today and it was a, some, some person out of the uh, uh, out of the detail area. I need somebody up front to actually to, to you know work with customers and this young man has come in and he's only been with us for about three months but he's exhibited all those little those soft skills that I that I talk about uh, when I've seen him interact with customers and, and also when I've seen him interact with his uh, his coworkers you know that's the big thing that tells me a lot about somebody right there and uh, so that's a young man he's he's like he's 20 years old but uh, I, I see stuff in people like that and I'm constantly looking for talent and I think uh, matter of fact I had a, a waiter the other day that I gave a card to. Just he impressed me with his, his customer service skills. And, and uh, yeah, you would think that that would be a given, you know, to be nice to people and then do the right thing, but uh, it's not. It's not anymore. It's not. No. It's pretty sad, but it's not. Yeah. So uh, one thing you mentioned there, and I kind of want to go back to, is what is the average age of your group of technicians? Well, that's the thing. We're an aging group, Richard. Yeah, most of us are 50 plus. And, uh, uh, you know, I've got some good youth, but uh, I've only got, you know, probably 
two two guys out of well, let's see, out, out of 20, 21 technicians that I have currently, I have actually four that are under thirty. Wow. The rest are all plus thirty, plus forty, plus fifty, sixty. Okay, I've got a couple that are right at sixty years old. So, um, going back to your to what we talked about about shortage, you know, you look at what the shortage is now, but uh, you know, with retirement and and losing people out of the field and everything else. Uh, you know, if we don't get a handle on this now and start training these guys and making sure that they're going to be doing the right thing, we're really going to be in a world of hurt uh, in a few years. And I tell you what else is it's going to do, guys, is it's going to drive the cost of the repairs up so much where the consumer sometimes can't afford that because they're going to be so limited on who they can have to work on these cars. And if they don't have skilled people, I mean, it's just... You know, we, we it's just going to drive the cost up for the consumer. I, I think, and, and you mentioned that skill and, and cost, I, I think it's extremely important to understand and differentiate why the cost of repairing a vehicle is what it is. But to understand that if someone else is doing it cheaper, well, it may not be cheaper in the long run. No, it might not be. And, and you know, there are some good guys out there in the aftermarket that, that are very well skilled on fixing cars. But... Um, you know, and I've always kind of been on the dealership side of the business, so we get the latest and greatest with technology. And uh, but but yeah, you're you're right. They may be cheaper, and and sometimes they'll fix them and do a good job. There's a lot of skilled folks out there, but uh, at the end of the day, you want somebody that's trained to work on your specific car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you think about it, and and I always stress this with these guys. I mean, every time they have a car and they're on a hoist and have the wheels off of it. That, that whole family's lives is in their hands. And I think sometimes they forget that because, you know, whether or not that wheel's put on correctly or the brake caliper or anything like that, um, that's, that's a big, you know, a big thing on their shoulder. And, and we stress safety a lot in our shop. And uh, uh, I think that's, a, that's something that's probably a, for a whole other podcast down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could talk to a blue in the face about that. Yeah. But anyway, that's... Uh, so, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, you know, when... When you look at, at the industry as a whole and we see the statistics that are out there of the current you know, technicians on the floor and 25% of, of those will leave due to retirement or, or other advancements, what ways are you recruiting the new talent? You know, I'm always looking. I've got a couple different programs that I, that I draw from, uh, vocation programs that um, I'll bring them in and do some work-based learning for them, let them work for about six to eight weeks. and. And uh, if they progress and do well, then I'll, I'll try to bring them in and, uh, and hire them on as an apprentice. Um, you know, one thing we do, Sean, is we try to get them engaged at an early age, our early time of, of their career when they get in to work with us. And what I mean by that is I have to have a training path for them. Uh, so many of us just bring a guy in, okay, well, there's your bay, and Johnny over there is going to tell you what to do. And that's not how it is. You've got to set up and have a training path for these guys. And uh, so uh, I have the luxury, once again, with the manufacturer of having uh, apprentice classes that these guys take and they're very entry level and that's something that the basics they start with and after that then they they progress on so i try to make sure that i lay that path out to them pretty early uh because you're right you know it's, we, we're losing a lot of our good talent i think they're just not we're not getting them engaged once we get them in the store and get them into the uh into the field when you you talk about the opportunities for advancements within the dealership setting, what what are some of the well, other career paths? You know, you just think about the dealership level. Me, for example, going up from a you know a technician to a service advisor to a service manager, and then the next level, 
in the fixed operations, which is what I do, would be my position. Uh, there's also, you know, the parts side of the business where parts counterperson, parts manager, uh, service manager. Uh, I've got a service drive manager that handles all of my, my front end folks right now. And then uh, all my service advisors, I've got six of them that he manages directly. And I kind of call them assistant service managers, so to speak, because they do. They manage the customer, they manage the, the technician, the workflow, and things like that. So they do manage a lot. But, uh, you know, there's a, just in the dealership alone, you know, just there's probably you know, 20 different jobs that somebody could do from the accounting side of the business to the sales side of the business to, you know, there's just so many avenues. And you, you, you see a lot of technicians that sometimes the good ones that, that uh, can't really turn around, more a lot of those going, guys going to sales and they start selling cars. You know, I've seen yeah. a lot of that, but uh, uh, like I said, uh, unlimited. And then we, we talked a little earlier about uh, all of just in the automotive industry alone, the different avenues that somebody could take. So. Uh, hundreds, hundreds, literally hundreds of jobs, yes. different jobs. Yeah. Uh, so some things that I've seen is kind of concerning to me is about 60% of the students that enter into the industry will not stay in it after the first year. How do we, what do you think causes that? You know, I think a lot of it, um, you know, anybody, and I hate to say this, but, you know, a lot of these young people go in and they, they, they get their two-year degree or four-year degree or whatever, and they jump in the industry, but they don't have a clue what it's about. And, uh, you know, and, and there's a commitment there. And that's what I, I go back to what I said before. You have to have the passion for this business because it, and it, it's a big commitment. A lot of these technicians have to buy their own tools. Uh, and I don't know if you price tools lately. Well, Richard, I know you have and Sean, you have too, but they're expensive. Yeah. I mean, I've got guys that have literally $80,000, $90,000 worth of tools. Uh, and that's a big financial commitment to put on a young person that's trying to get started in this career. But uh, I think uh, getting them engaged early you know, Richard, you just you can't just throw them there and make them change oil for a year or two years because you're going to lose that guy. And I hate to say this, but you're going to lose a good, talented person to something else that pays just a little bit more. And uh, that that's the biggest thing I see is some of these guys want to kind of jump ship just for a little bit more money. But we as management haven't done a good enough job of painting a picture of where they can be. You, you mentioned uh, putting that employee on the on the lubrac and leaving him there. I, being across the nation and being at different independents and dealerships and repair shops and, and community colleges, that's one of the biggest things that they, that's one of the first things that a community college instructor will tell me. You know, they, well, you know, my guys leave here. So I've left, you know, have some talented guys leave my college, but they put them on the lubrac and they leave them there. Yeah. So I, it's great to hear that, yeah. you know, you understand that. And then being in that industry helps you do that not leaving them that at that level yeah you, you just can't afford to because you may uh, be letting an awfully good talented person go uh, and, and that will never get an opportunity to prove himself so you know one other thing that, that I've done for the past few years too is I've tried to kind of rotate those guys I, I came up with an issue where I, or a plan where I put these guys in on the quick loops or Lubrec and uh, I try to bring them in to work with a skilled technician for a couple of weeks and I rotate those guys where they get a little bit of exposure to what it's like out to being on the real line. That's worked pretty well for me. Uh, just because, you know, let's face it, changing oil and doing all those things, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty repetitive job, but uh, it's a necessary job. Um, you know, probably 60% of our vehicles that come in just come in for a quick lube and tire rotations. So that's a big, big you know, piece of our business that we have to make sure we manage. And, and as you know, I mean, that technician's doing that oil change if they're doing if they're trained properly and doing the safety inspection and the inspection of the vehicle yep. that's where a lot of your return Absolutely. Uh, repair work comes from yeah. is the lube rack we train our guys and they've got a uh, just a, a 
a process they go through from what I call cradle to grave on every car that comes in. And they're looking for those safety items first, most importantly safety, and then also any recommended maintenance by yeah. time and mileage. Uh, and you're right, Richard, that is, you know, that's the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, uh, I feel like if a customer brings a car to us, it's, it's our job, whether they want to hear it or not, we need to let them know what kind of shape the vehicle's in and, and what needs to be done. I mean, I want to hear it because when they hear that, those kinds of things, uh, they know it's going to cost them money. But uh, at the end of the day, we're not doing our job if we don't let them know what, else, uh, what all we're finding. Yeah, and not only is that important to the customer, the vehicle owner, but it's also a liability for you guys. If you, if you release one that's not safe. Yeah. You know, I've heard a lot of horror stories before where... Uh, what, 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 what you guys pencil whip those uh, inspections, all everything's green. And uh, there was a case just not too long ago, it was upstate New York, where uh, everything was checked green and uh, there was an issue with the car. And unfortunately, there was a fatality involved because of something that was missed. And uh, they actually went after the technician along with the store uh, and prosecuted them, so just for uh, negligence. So, uh, <laughs> okay, you got to share the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Is there a, a time period? You know, as you bring on the new technician, you talk about the, you know, um, phasing them in to, you know, from the lube rack and, and having them work with seasoned technicians. Is there a, a time that you can see from, from your experience to know this is the direction uh, that they need to pursue? Is, there, is it a year? Is it a two years? Is it a six month? How long does it, does it know, take to know? Sean, it varies from individual. Uh, I've had some young people come in that, uh, Truthfully, I've promoted out of there within six months. Uh, I've had some that are kind of slow and, and they've been up to two years. I've had some that obviously after two years just didn't make it. Right. And uh, you know, but I, I can pretty much evaluate somebody pretty quick and, and just, just by watching, get a good idea of, of what they're doing. I've got a young man right now that uh, he's only with me two months and I'm getting ready to promote him to my you know, quick loop supervisor. He's a young guy, 21 years old, but I mean, from the get go, he exhibited all the, those types of you know, the, the soft skills I talk, talk about, the, uh, uh, the attitude, just the workmanship that I want. And, uh, you know, I've talked to him and I'm going to actually promote him and put him in charge of three other guys right now. And uh, so, you know, it, it's hard to put a time frame on it. They all progress at different times, um, like I said. And, you know, you can, you know, I, I don't want to keep them there too long because, you know, I look at it like this. I mean, you, you can tell if somebody really is going to progress in this field. If I've got a young man that's back there in Quick Lube, and I see that really he's not, this is probably not his cup of tea, but he's, you know, he's just, a, just doesn't make him a bad person, just makes him in a, you know, just a bad fit. And I try to look for something else from the dealership that I can move him to. Young man, just the other day I moved out of a Quick Lube position because I just didn't see the ability, you know, are there, and I'm not doing him any favors by keeping him in that field. I'm not. So I've got to try to move him to another position. I did that, and actually he's pretty happy in that other position. So uh, I look for things like that all the time. Uh, but uh, like I said, there's you know there's no really certain time limit. It just depends on the individual. Yeah. So I mean, the industry's changed quite a bit. I mean, and obviously with your experience in the industry, being able to see those prospective class A techs or someone who has the soft skills, uh, that's one of the advantages that I believe a dealership has is being able to bring them in and see that, and that's. A, what I believe that these high school students need to see, sure. need to be able to see that, that that direction can, can you know, you can come in as a lube tech, but that may not be your exact skill set. You may need to be able to move over to parts or to customer service. Well, you know, you mentioned a good point. You said that a lot of your uh, instructors at different vocational schools, well, gosh, you know, I'm losing, I bring good skilled guys in and, and they lose them. Well, you know, we have no idea what somebody can or can't do. 
I mean, they walk in at a vocational program or two-year degree program and they've got a degree. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they can actually do the job. I hate to say that, but I've had a lot of folks come in that were top of the class that uh, couldn't cut it, you know, and uh, unfortunately, in our business, you've got to start out at this level. And, uh, you know, I could take a young man out of high school that's had some good training, that's got, once again, the ability, and I can bring him along and progress him pretty well. And I've got several examples throughout our shop that we've done over the years with uh, just that kind of level so you know we've we, it's been a great discussion larry and i appreciate it uh but where do you see the future of this industry going well it scares me uh i'm to the age where you don't have a whole lot many more years left to work in this field and uh, uh but it scares me that uh, we're not going to have people in a few years to fix cars and uh you know guys it's not just that but it's it's all skilled trades uh i've talked to people in you know the hvac uh, industry. I've talked to people electrical, everything, and, and we're all saying the same things. Our skilled trades are not being introduced to this, today's youth at an early enough time. And uh, I fear, once again, I, I talked about it a while ago, I fear that next 10, 15 years, I mean, it's going to be hard to get your car fixed. You know, I know that sounds horrible and scary, but uh, something's got to change. And, uh, and I think education is, is a big piece. We've got to educate and train these folks to, uh, at an early age and get them, get them, get them involved. Do you think it would be a, an advantage if you mentioned skilled trades? But you know, we as in the automotive industry, work, we work in within our little bubble, and then uh, carpentry they work within their little bubble. Do you think it'd be an advantage for the skilled trades to come together as one group? Absolutely, and really focus on what's going on. At- Absolutely, there's the, yeah, there's a local high school around here that. Uh, Believe it or not, of, of all of their enrollment, um, it's either 75 or 80% all go through some type of vocation. And that's pretty cool because it gives them some exposure. Not that they're all gonna do that necessarily, but it gives them a taste. And, and, and who knows, that, that, that kid maybe had, had taken something in carpentry or electrical, whatever, and then went on to college and inside of college wasn't his cup of tea and went, oh, wait a second, you know, I had that, you know, two years of that, I like that, let me, let me take that avenue. So, but if they never get an opportunity, they'll never know. And uh, unfortunately, you know, some of those folks could end up in, in less desirable jobs that, uh, that they don't enjoy. And uh, that's one thing about this field. I mean, uh, no two days are the same. And uh, it, it, it can be a very, very fun, fun career path. And uh, uh, a lot of accomplishment, too, that goes along with this, with this field. I think you've, you mentioned it a couple of times, is having the passion. You know, for those students, and I've seen My several students. Yeah. yeah, I've seen several students that, uh, you know, had the passion, but then because of guidance from high school counselors or whatever, they chose to go the four-year college degree, and, and they're really not happy. I mean, they're, they're making a living, but they're not happy with it. They still have a passion for, for something else, not necessarily just automotive. Well, no doubt about it. I mean, you want to be happy in what you do. I mean, if you're not, you need to find something else to do. No doubt about it. And uh, you're right. A lot of kids come in with a four-year degree in business or whatever, but don't really have a marketable trade that uh, that's in demand. And uh, a lot of those folks end up just doing other odds and jobs and nothing wrong with factory jobs. I mean, my dad worked in a factory, my brother works in a factory. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those, but, but uh, you know, and, and some people enjoy that. But uh, yeah, you want to make sure that when you go to work, you enjoy what you do. When you talk about the future and, you know, you worry about there's not going to be a technician there, um, there is that side of the, you know, the human manpower of that. 
How much does the technology piece that's in the industry today play into that? The the use of, you know, the technology that's in the vehicle, the tools that are required for that, the cost required to manage the technology. Well, th- that's all going to be driven, Sean. But it goes back to what I said a while ago. Um, with all that technology, we're going to have to make sure we've got the skilled people to do the job, and. You've got to have, I mean, let's face it, you've got to be a very, very sharp individual to work on these systems. Right. And, uh, you know, somebody told me not too long ago, well, I think, you know, in 10 years, you know, you're going to basically be able to plug something in your car at home and, and be linked up. It's going to tell you what's wrong with it. Well, I don't know if that's the case or not, but um, you still have to have that human right. interface, no doubt about it, that knows how to use this equipment. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, you look at technology where it's changed in the last 10, 15 years and where it's going to go in 10 or 15 more. Um, you know, it's like I said, I'm not saying it keeps me up at night, but, but, uh, I have discussions. I'm on several advisory boards throughout, uh, different organizations and we all talk about the same thing. Right. And uh, I just left a meeting up in, uh, Ohio where I was with 20 other different service managers from different, uh, and we all talk about the exact same thing. And once again, you go around and everybody's technicians are older, <laughs> older, I mean, 50 plus, and that's not old, but yet for this industry, it is. Uh, I expect some of those guys another 10 years and they're done. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, Sean, I just, uh, I think that we as an industry have got to get more uh, involved. Uh, Richard, to your point, collectively coming together, that's not a bad idea. But um, I, I just think the more we can talk about it, the more we can introduce it, uh, the better off we're going to be. And uh, uh, trying to get these guys to, to take this path. Absolutely. So yeah, I've greatly uh, enjoyed the discussion. Well, it's Richard, you said passion. Okay, that's yeah. one thing I've got for this industry is passion. That, that's clear to see. Yeah. And clear to think, see. I think we all do sit at this table, no doubt about it. And, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of it is caring about people and, uh, and trying to make people grow. And I think that's one thing I've always I've been proud of is trying to grow people. And uh, you know, with what's, uh, what's out there and what's available, and hopefully for what I'm doing, I'm, I'm hoping to leave this industry a better place when I leave it. You know, that's my goal. Leave it better than when I got here. So, so like I said, it's clear that you have a passion for the automotive industry, but is there any other hobbies that you enjoy other than just automotive? You know, I travel. I like to travel, hike, bike, a lot of outdoor, anything outdoors. I love doing outdoor stuff. So uh, I used to love to play basketball, but I'm too old <laughs> to do that now. So anyway, but uh, I do what I can. Yeah. I, one thing I always like to ask, and and. It really shows how involved in the automotive industry we are is if you had an open garage bay what kind of vehicle would you want in it you know I, um, I've got a 61 Impala bubble top but uh, believe it or not my dad bought 64 I still have that car but one of my all-time favorite cars is a 69 Camaro that 69 Camaro uh, it's just one of my favorite cars of all time I'm not a big Corvette guy I'm, I'm definitely more of a General Motors guy but the 69 Camaro is just something that at an early age, I saw it and just maybe well one day, not sure. All right. I think we all have, I mean, if we have the industry passion in us, there's that one car in our life that we've seen. It's just like, I love that car. How about you? What's your, uh, what's your passion? Well, about? mine is a 67 GTO. Okay, good. John? 62 Nova okay. is my uh, heritage vehicle. Uh, currently enjoy my... Uh, my Jeep JK. Oh yeah. And then uh, if I had one of, you know, we could go pick off the uh, a performance vehicle. I could go pick off the lot today. It'd definitely be the Hellcat. Oh yeah, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. So one, one other thing, and, and I've seen you in front of a group of high school students, but I want to step that up a little bit. Yeah. If you were in front of and you were asked to do the keynote speech to a group of industry leaders, what would you tell them? You know, uh, once again, back to basics, okay? I, I have to have the right individual to do this, okay? And I, and I know I go back to, you know, uh, person first, skill set second, but... Um, you know, I would just make sure that, you know, I'm talking to these, these, these kids and, and talking to their, uh, you know, instructors or whatnot, just let them know what's, what's available. But uh, I think I'd also have to be a realist, too, and let them know, listen, this, this field is not for everybody. It's not. And uh, I see a lot of people come in, and uh, not the end of the, the whole conversation on Debbie Downer, but uh, I've seen a lot of people make a lot of investments and, uh, that were ill-advised. Uh, ill-advised because they just don't have, you know, what I call the... Uh, the ability to do the job at a high level. I think it takes a certain drive. I mean, um, you know, being a technician, I still consider myself a flat rate tech. And the way I look at the, the, the industry and, and day-to-day activities, I still find myself looking at them as a, as a flat rate tech. But I think it's extremely important that we find those individuals. And it's extremely important to get both the aftermarket and OE Absolutely. to go after recruiting those individuals that that create and provide that talent that we need. We're going to need drastically in the next five years. You look at the shortage now, guys, I hope we're not sitting here in 10 years talking about what the shortage is gonna be because it'll be pretty uh, pretty substantial, I'm sure. I've had some, uh, some shop owners tell me that it's gonna sort itself out, supply and demand. Uh, I, I have mixed thoughts about that. Yeah, that's uh, that's you know that's that's an approach I don't want to take. You know, I can't just I'm not a wait and see kind of guy. You know, uh, by us changing this industry is not going to happen by accident or luck. It's going to happen, you know, by something that we put together that's going to work. Yeah. Uh, not sit and wait. Sit and wait's a bad thing to do. <laughs> absolutely, it it absolutely has to be a proactive approach to absolutely. to get out there. There's way. Um, if you look at the youth of today, they have way their distractions are, are every second. And yeah. if we're not in that, uh, if that in that mode and, and making them think about what that future looks like, uh, it could be uh, pretty dim yes. for yeah. the uh, technician agree. of tomorrow. Yeah. We need to be at their level too. I mean, Sean, you're especially you know getting it, getting to them on the digital level. The importance of that. How do you see that importance, Larry? Well, you know, that's, that's, that's where these guys are at. You know, we're talking about at the digital level, getting them, getting them involved. I mean, uh, we've never recruited like that before. You know what I mean? We've never tried that type of approach. So I think it's a great approach. Um, you know, once again, it all goes back to those aptitude tests you take back your, what, freshman year of high school. And by gosh, I assume they still do those. And here you go. Okay, your path is here, your path is here. And uh, gosh, I can remember taking those like yesterday. I was very highly mechanical, and uh, but then I also academically was, you know, I had another route they wanted me to take. But uh, it's just amazing, you know, how uh, we can be guided so much at such an early age. So uh, coming full circle back around, uh, exposure at an early age. I mean, that's what that's the key mm-hmm. thing for us guys. I, th- I think that is a key takeaway from this discussion is is, yes, is that early age and and looking for those individuals with the passion at that early age and 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 uh, fertilizing that and get it to grow. I hope the next time we do one of these and uh, maybe maybe five years from now down the road we'll do another one of these and we'll talk about the overabundance of technicians we got. You think that's a possibility? I hope it is. I hope so too. But I'm I don't not know. sure. I'm not sure either, guys. I'm not sure. Not sure either. So, Larry, again, I, I appreciate your time, uh, taking time out of your busy schedule you know, to be guys, here with uh, us. Like I said, I'm glad to do this. Uh, 
Uh, once again, I, I try to stay involved as much as I can with different uh, the different boards I'm on for a lot of motor programs. But uh, I think uh, definitely what you guys are doing is uh, is something that's a, a front runner in this industry and uh, uh, definitely a, a big need for it. Well, we we definitely have that passion for it. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, you know what? I wouldn't be here if I didn't think so. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. Until next time, we'll meet back. Thanks, Larry. Right. Thanks, 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 guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Technician Academy podcast brought to you by Extend Performance. Don't forget to visit us online at technician.academy. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Technician.academy, built to educate.